Blog Talk Radio.
Okay, we're back. It's going to be another one of those nights, I can tell. <laughs> I could not get my microphone to click back on, but I'm here. Okay, let's see. Good evening, area code 859. You're on Violet Reiki Radio. Hi, it's Robert. Hi, Robert. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. We had a little bit of stuff happening tonight, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're all together at last. Three steps, that's right. Yeah, isn't that, I love that song, though. That was just such an ingenious idea, because I don't know about you, but when I say to my students, these are the precepts, and they learn them in English, and I say, you know, you can say them in Japanese, too. Do you all want to learn? You know, like, this is what they are in Japanese, but then, you know, you can say them in Japanese if you wish. I know I've always, when I learned how to say them in Japanese, I liked it better, and, and I always say them in Japanese, but a lot of my students are like, no, no, that's okay. No, 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 no. But I think Colin's, <laughs> Colin's song makes it so much fun and so easy, you know. Yeah. It was nice listening to that. That's the first time I heard it. Isn't that like such a jazzy little jingle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. Super nice. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I, I put it on and like, I put it on repeat. So, like, I'm in the house and I'm doing my stuff from working, and it's just going over and over again. And oh, yeah, the precepts. And I like it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also added it to my curriculum in the hopes that, you know, more students will uh, enjoy saying them in Japanese. What can I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> so, I saw you, uh, my first introduction of knowing about you and what you're doing was at the 2012 New York City Reiki Convention. And I listened mm. to your your speech there, and I was like, wow, this is really interesting. And um, <laughs> a lot of work, Robert. How did, how did this come about? Um, very, very slowly. Very slowly. And piece <laughs> by piece. That's for sure. I mean... Um, in reference to your question, um, do you mean the whole research thing or specifically what I was lecturing on in New York? No, actually, like, did you wake up one morning and go, I want to know more about Mrs. Takata and I want to dig into, you know, the whole thing behind her teaching. Right, right. I got you. Yeah, so what happened was that um, after my uh, first degree class, I, I waited about uh, six months, and then I took a second degree and from a different teacher because my teacher was gone. And, um, you know, I was looking at these lineage sheets that they handed to me. And my first degree teacher lineage sheet, you know, seemed pretty straightforward. At the time, it seemed like that. And um, But my second degree lineage sheet was, like, really complicated. I mean, there was like all these people and arrows going everywhere and and uh you know, so I I was I was a little confused about that. So I was starting to talk to uh, I finally got in touch with these uh two other researchers, Light and Adene and uh they've since passed but Well wait a minute, uh, Adene, yeah, she had yeah. a great website and I know she passed oh, yeah. uh her website yeah. was phenomenal. I loved her her whole approach and information and everything. We lost a good one there. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah really. Yeah, so I got I got connected with them around uh, I'm thinking maybe ninety seven, ninety eight, and I started telling them about the people on my lineage, and um, they were like, "Well, that's weird because there was a a person under Mrs. Takata uh, that was listed." And when I said this name to the, to Adney, she's like, "No, that that person didn't say with the Takata," and you know, and so I was like, "Oh, okay, so." You know, that led me into kind of like researching my own lineage, you see. And that's how it all started right. was because uh, I was given these lineage sheets that weren't accurate. And so I I wanted to, to I wanted to know my own lineage is what it came down to. Right. And so I had, yeah, I had a, you know, I, I questioned my teachers more and more. Well, you know, exactly who did you study with and can I have their contact information, you know. And then I contacted them and then I just kept going back and back and back and, and uh, finally, I was, you know, it's just so much easier to um, kind of get more more to um, Takata's master's students. And, and once I got there, then, you know, um, I was able to get a lot of questions answered and uh, find out more stuff. So, yeah, it's kind of like it was just a personal journey trying to get my own lineage sheet straightened out. Yeah. Never thought it would take me to where. <laughs> Never thought at the time, you know, like 15 years later at that point, I'd be like in New York giving a lecture. Like, no, like not, not even close. I mean, it was just a personal, personal journey that turned into a, a whole life changing event. Yeah, you don't know. I mean, it's well. I I just went to Reiki, you know, level one. I had bad back issues and stuff, and said, "Oh, this will help. Let me see." And uh, <laughs> then look at me now. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's strange. It's little. Sometimes it's a little decision, and uh, you know, it has that snowball effect, and you never know which decisions that's going to you know happen to, and it can totally, you know lead you in a very interesting and totally new direction. Well, you know, it's funny. I find the more and more people I speak to, it's almost like everybody has the same thing. It's like, well, you know, I really, I just went for this, and then it kind of like sucked me up like a Hoover. Right. It's weird. Yeah, Reiki like chooses who it wants, and, and it's like it just Brings you all into the mothership, kind of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I I think the lineage thing is wild because there's so many. I find the more I dig into Reiki, the more confused I get. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever thought that also. Yeah, I mean, there, it always seems to be like, oh, you get this, you know, this question answered, and now you have two more questions, and you know, oh, I just need to answer this one more question, and you get the answer, but it's not what you expect, and then, you know, so now you got to go on these other tangents, and uh, at this point, I'm 18 years in, and I've been able to finally, like, it's it's really strange, but it's like all these dots are finally kind of connecting together in the most strange um, ways that make sense now, you know, um, but I didn't have all the pieces, you know, so to make sense of the history and, um, and you know, just things like that, mostly history. And now, you know, uh, they do make sense, but it's, um, you know, 
it, it's been one crazy up and down ride. You know, that's for sure. It's like riding a surfboard, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Sometimes yeah. they think I'm like, what am I doing? What is this? And it's like, I'm riding a surfboard. You know, you go up and it's like, wait a minute, you go down. But, you know, forever keeping balance, you know, you have to move in a lot of different right. directions, but you keep the balance and that's the Reiki, you know. But um, is it true? Because I've read this a lot. I don't really know a lot about Takata. I ha- obviously, I haven't studied her extensively like you have, but she had no class notes. I mean, I know they said she didn't allow notes to be taken and whatever, but she had no anything. Is that true? She no, it's not true. It, it, see, and this is the thing. That's not true because what what happened was, you know, she taught over like, 45 years, I think, um, or almost 45 years. And, uh, you know, throughout that period of time, you know, she would do, sometimes she would let people take notes and sometimes she wouldn't. Um, Her master's students, um, quite a few of them were able to, um, you know, tape record um, their training with her and classes they had with her. And so, it all depended, you know, it all depended. But she did allow note-taking sometimes, but um, she taught, um, I would say she taught the last, say, five years or so um, in the continental United States and in Canada. And during that phase of her teaching, um, less notes were given. And then sometimes there was no notes, no pay attention to what I'm doing and what I'm saying and, and I have to say that, you know, over my um, journey so far, I mean, I've had classes where I've not let people take notes, and I've had other times where, yeah, you can take notes. And um, at some point earlier, I gave people little handouts, you know, even. And, you know, so if my students got together from different time periods, they'd be like, well, Robert, you don't let me take any notes. And then, what? He gave me this stuff. You know, he's like, yeah, you know. So <laughs> it's the same kind of thing, you know. I mean, um, it's the same kind of thing. Things change, you know. And um, so, yeah, there, there's records of what she um, taught and what she said and stuff like that. And uh, so, yeah. Yeah, because when you think about it, I keep seeing more and more. Uh, every time I teach a class, I'm like, oh, dear God, here's another one. Um, <laughs> I just keep seeing more and more changes and more and more different symbols. Really, it's right. the Han Shuze Shunan that keeps changing. I mean, Chokurei hasn't changed. <laughs> and Seheki has not changed. But Han Shuze Shunan, I'm like, what is going on with this? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of um, things that that happened, you know, along the way, and, and especially after Mrs. Takata's death, um, including, you know, some of the changes, like in the symbols. And I, I think the very first book that ever published the symbols, um, at least the, I don't, I don't know if the fourth symbol, if you want to call it a symbol, was in there, but it was like uh, the challenge to teach Reiki by. Um, I forget the author off the top of my head, but yeah. And I, I can't remember, but I, I, I exactly, but I think the symbols were upside down in that book. I mean, I just like oh that. Oh, my God. Like, but, but they were also like upside down or something. And it was a long time ago I actually saw that book. Um, it was actually when I was at Light Nanny's house. 
and they had it, and um, I saw it. I was like, that's the weirdest. I mean, so, you know, I, I do, I mean, it, it's hard to say, you know, why. I think it's a, very much an American tradition because, you know, as Americans, the culture is that of the pioneers, you know. We're, like, inventive and uh, we want to innovate and, you know, tweak things and, improve things and and that's fine you know and all but the, the the issue becomes um the japanese culture is a little different you know it's all about you know following what your teacher said and kind of following tradition right yeah and if you remember like the story um or if you've heard the story where hayashi at first refused to train mrs takata in the system of Reiki, because he said, you know, hey, you look Japanese and you speak Japanese, but you're not Japanese, you know, you're an right. American. And I know Americans, and they take things and then they change things. <laughs> He's like, I'm you got to take this and turn it into gotta, instant coffee, or we're not having it. <laughs> He's like, you got to change it. He's like, that's that's the culture. And, you know, right. she promised, no, I will not change it. No. And um, and so the the system passed down um, really stayed pretty much intact. I mean, until after she died, and then you know you have um, the Americans left and the Canadians, and um, you know so most of them went along and kept teaching the way Takata taught them, but some started making changes. But it was more like the, their master students, you know, really started being American about it. And, you know, so, you know, that's just how, that's just how it it, it, it went down, you know, and, and more and more and more and more changes. And now it's in so many, you know, countries and cultures and um, so it's really actually, you know, difficult to, to say now what, what might be out there. Um, but yeah, but at least in the beginning there was like, some consistency, you know, there was some consistency. I can see, and I kind of always base my practice of Reiki in the whole idea of respect, not only for one's teacher, you know, whoever initiated, whoever Mm -hmm. gave us the attunements in Reiki, but you have to have respect for Sensei Asui, the founder, because Mm -hmm. if you can't base your Reiki, your practice of Reiki, and what you're passing down. And if you're going to become a teacher in Reiki, then to me, it's your responsibility as a teacher to have respect for your teachers, your personal teachers, and Sensei Usui. And this way, you keep the practice of Reiki kind of like not in a bubble, but you keep it respected, you keep it whole, you keep it mm-hmm. as what it is supposed to be. Unfortunately, <laughs> in the West, people have a tendency to take something and, like you just said, you know, change it, manipulate it, tweak it, you know, put right. a smidge of this and a smidge of that. You know, we don't like to cook according to cookbook recipes. We <laughs> like to get, you know, what's the word? We like improv, which is probably why right. jazz is so so famous here in the West. We like jazz. We like improvising here and there. 
And that's where yeah. Ricky kind of like starts to unravel, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Because yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I we've agree. got a lot of ener- energy workers throwing around the Reiki word. And I mean, mm-hmm. I don't want to be the Reiki Nazi here, but come on, people. Energy work is energy rake work. Reiki is Reiki. Don't mix the two. Yeah. The thing, yeah. The thing I always try to make clear to people is that there's like, you know, Reiki just means like cosmic energy or spiritual energy. And I mean, there's thousands of systems that you utilize this kind of, you know, energy, right? It's just universal, but it, that doesn't mean that, what everybody's practicing is a suishiki reiki ryoho, um, and you know, which is the name of the, the the system or the proper name of the system that Takata passed down, and she wrote out just a suishiki ryoho, but that's the name of the system, which means this is the Asui's style of using, you know, um, this universal energy. So. Because there's all sorts of ways people have used it, and there's all sorts of systems out there, and they all should have names. I mean, they all have names of some sort. You know, like it's this kind of qigong, or it's the um, I don't I don't know, but it, like I guess there's quantum touch out there. You know, because that's the name of this matrix system. matrix energetics. Yeah. There's so the, the, the reconnection. Yeah. Yeah. So like, if you call it by the name of the system, then it's not as confusing. Um, but it hasn't been called that. And then if you make enough changes to a system, you know, eventually it becomes something else. Because, like, if you say, oh, I want, uh, you know, tomato soup, and, you know, you order tomato soup or something, and the chef's like, oh, well, I'm going to add, you know, this and that. Eventually you end up with, like, something like vegetable soup. And you're like, well, this is not tomato soup anymore. (laughs) And so to be really clear... It's not that vegetable soup's bad or worse than tomato soup, but it's just, you know, it's not the same because we've done things, and so let's call it this other thing. And then when people order the tomato soup, they get tomato soup. When they order vegetable soup, they get vegetable soup. And then everybody's really, really clear. And that didn't happen. And, you know, so things are completely not clear. Um because it used to be like in the 80s and, and and before that, you know, somebody said, oh, I practice the system of Reiki. You knew exactly what they're talking about because you all had a very similar practice and a lot of changes, you know, were, hadn't been made yet. But today, you know, it's quite, quite different. Um, and that's why I never say, you know, I, I – um, you know, do Reiki or something like this. I always say, oh, I practice the Suishiki Reiki Ryoho. Because if they know that, then I know that they also know the name of the system that we practice and we have a similar practice. Um, and the whole the whole um, change thing, you know, it's okay, I believe, when, when change is made for um, the right reasons. In other words, like, you know, change just for change's sake is like, you know, not, definitely just like, you know, not following tradition. But if there's like a really good reason, you know what, I, this would make the teaching more clear to this these students or this culture, then it needs to be adapted, I, I feel, to really authentically try to pass it on. Like, for example, Mr. Takata, you know, at first gave these a version of the precepts, but later she gave different versions and 
the precept she had added was, you know, honor your parents, teachers, and elders. I mean, that's not in the original precepts that she was teaching, you know, at one point. She added that later because she recognized that the American culture really needed that. You know, it needed that because that's a very kind of Japanese, um, it's already in that culture, you know. Right, because originally it was be kind to others, right? Yeah, yeah. So she, she kind of combined two um, precepts so she could fit a, another one in. And um, it's very interesting looking over, very, you know, different versions she gave and, and listening to her speak on recordings where she gives different versions. Um, because you can see the evolution of some of the teachings out of absolute necessity, not because, oh, these other ones don't, don't work or they're not good enough, but that there's apparent lack um, of understanding or context, you know. It just didn't come with the context that it would have had if she was speaking to a Japanese audience. Right. Yeah. Well, it was like that. So, it was like she you know, the thing that he was a Christian teacher or something, it's like mm-hmm. that comes from Mrs. Takata. Like, he was a what? You know, but, and I think that was all part of her, because given the time that she started teaching Reiki here in the West, uh, she, I think, was it she figured saying he was Christian would put him in a better light with Westerners? Yeah, well, that, that's the interesting thing, because, you know, I was, I heard this um, as well, and, you know, at first, I thought, oh, yeah, that's probably, that makes sense. But then, you know, as I started studying this more and looking into this more, I I realized, wait a minute, Takata said that he was like this Christian minister, and, you know, everybody kind of poo-poos that now. But, but the funny thing is, it's like, um, you might want to take a look at the memorial stone, right? Because the memorial stone... Um, erected by Sui students in 1927, mm-hmm. says on there that he, he studied Christianity. And I'm telling you what, in 1927, you know, if you've seen the stone, it, it's huge. And yeah. they don't have, they didn't have laser technology. I mean, they had chisel all these little kanjis, Japanese kanjis, right. into the stone. So I'm telling you what, if he hadn't seriously studied Christianity, they would not have chiseled it into the stone. I mean, they just didn't say, oh, yeah, like one day he read a book on it, and so that's important, we're going to chisel it. No. Obviously, only the most important things um, they felt about his life were chiseled in that stone. And so I had a, a sneaking suspicion that um, he probably was a Christian, or at least he had studied serious Christianity at one point. And the interesting thing is, like Mrs. Takata's whole story which I go into really, really super detail in my book about this story because there's so much there. I mean, it, it, it's way more in-depth than most people really imagine. But, you know, the story goes that, yeah, he's this Christian, you know, minister, she says, which may or may not be. But anyway, he goes on this long search to find out, you know, this stuff about Christ and how he did this healing and stuff. But anyway, he didn't, he didn't find it. And so he ended up ending up going to these Buddhist temples. And through the, the study and the Buddhism and going up to Mount Karama, that's where he got his answers. 
so she never says that, you know, then he went back to being Christian. No, he was obviously not satisfied with Christianity. He came back, you know, her story is like, oh, he wasn't satisfied with what he found in Christianity. So he basically switched gears and went to Buddhism. So, See, I, from what I've learned about what I've learned about Asui and what I've read through the years is that he well I learned that he had come into his family because of their they were samurai they had a close association with the Emperor Meiji at the time they were Tendai Buddhists um, and that he had an avid he was almost like he loved every. Oh, you cut out. I think where he studied many different religions. Um, yeah. I mean, he loved medicine, psychology. He was very interested yeah. in fortune-telling, uh, theology. So right. he had a lot of courses that he did study. And uh, yeah. I, I think the whoever it was, the spiritual person that he came across, You keep cutting out. Can you still hear me? Hi, Robert. Yeah, hi. You keep cutting out. I heard this weird noise, and then I dropped out. And now they put me me back in. Thank you. I said it was going to be one of those nights. Well, wait a minute. Are we having a full moon tonight? I think that could be part of it. Yeah, I, I, I heard most of, I think, what you were saying. But, yeah, I mean, he definitely was a scholar. Yeah, and I think it was the, I think it was the scholar or the old teacher who said to him, you know, you really, like, dude, you're searching for the meaning of life. But mm-hmm. in order for you to know the meaning of life, you have to first die. And that's what led right. him to go off and onto Mount Karama and do the um, 21-day fasting and meditation. Right. Right, right. Yeah, so, I mean, exactly. he had a voracious appetite for knowledge. For sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. And that's how Mrs. Takata described him as well, is that he was a scholar. And looking at the memorial stone, it's very clear, very clear that he was a scholar. Yeah. Um, you know, with all these things that he ended up studying and that they chiseled him into the stone. Yeah, so it's... Um, you know, it's been a very interesting thing, um, thing to watch, you know, um, how Mrs. Takata and her stories have been viewed at different points in time because it, it's like a pendulum. I mean, it just it swings one way, and then, you know, it starts swinging back the other way, and I imagine it's just going to keep going back and forth. I would imagine, yeah. Uh, it's just... There's so much of it. There was something else that she said about him that I think was kind of like, huh? <laughs> I can't think of it now. I can't think of it. <laughs> she said he was Christian. That was the one thing. And there was something else that was like, well, it sounds like a good selling point, but somehow I can't really see this being um, correct. And mm-hmm. I don't, off the top of my head, I've gone blank on it. Christian was one thing, and said, "Well, no, it wasn't her, but all the people who go around calling him doctor." Right. And I wonder about that myself because um, I I would like 
to know more about that. And I just kind of wonder if that was more of an honorary title for a scholar, you know, like, you know, because like if you have a PhD in history or whatever, you know, you're a doctor, so and so. And um, so I, I really don't know um, because I don't know of anybody really doing what I would consider valid research on uh, Sui. You know, I'm not aware. I mean, maybe there are people in Japan going through maybe some records or something, looking through whatever kind of universities there might have been in existence there. I, I don't know. Um, but it would be interesting to find out. Um, but the most important thing, of course, is that he, he you know, went up to Mount Karama and, and had this experience. And, and not only that, but he was able to pass on, you know, you know, this connection with the universe to others, which is very unique in this system. Very unique. Right. Yeah. Now, I wonder if you're doing research, because sometimes, you know, I, I feel, and I don't know that many Japanese people, but the ones that I do know, it's kind of like, okay, so this is the way it is, and that's it. You accept it. <laughs> Where, again... <laughs> Americans are more like, yeah, but what if and what about? And let's right. look, let's right. look there. You know, we're like dogs. We've got to right. keep digging. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's good, like, because it, it's like we, we need to, to do research, but we also need valid research. You know, right. like, it has to be done. I mean, research is actually, uh, there's a science behind it and how it's done and the logic behind it. And then it's got to be verifiable by third parties that, you know, are influenced. And, uh, you know, so there, there's a there's the, quote, correct way of doing it so that it's valid and it's trustworthy because that's what we want. I mean, we want information that's not only, you know, you know obviously correct, but it comes and we can be guaranteed that, yes, it's correct and trustworthy and, because, you know, there's been so many people that made so many claims, and then later it turns out they just totally made up the whole shebang, <laughs> yeah. you know. And, I mean, so, I mean, it, and it's amazing. You know, it's like Reiki scandals, you know. Um, oh, God. People, people have made up a lot of fake people, and um, and that's just how it is, you know, because people are people. You know. Yeah, it's like I always tell people, you know, really, if you're looking for a Reiki master or you're looking for uh, a Reiki practitioner, you know, this is you. You have to love yourself enough to want the best for yourself. And wanting yeah. the best doesn't necessarily mean the most expensive one out there. It means you call the person, you get on the phone with the person, and you say, hey, you know, I'm interested in Reiki, and uh, I want to ask you some questions and do some research with you. And depending upon what that person tells you, then you see if, you know, it's a good fit. And if not, just keep looking. There are plenty of people out there. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's how I feel. I feel like, you know, for me, I mean, what the practice has given me is, is definitely worth anything I've spent and more um, in, in terms of my time, my energy commitments, my financial commitments. I mean, it, it's, um, it's immeasurable what I've been given in terms of, 
I don't know how to describe it, but it's so if if the teacher's right, if it's the right teacher, you know, for you know you or you know, then that that's the person you need to study with, and you know if the person's the wrong teacher, but they're really inexpensive, you know, or free. I, I wouldn't bother taking the training. I mean, why waste your time? Um, but if it's the right teacher, then really, you know, how much is that worth to you? I mean, because it's all about priorities, I feel. That's that's how I feel. And it's about responsibilities. Uh, priorities and responsibilities. Right. And, you know, we we show our priorities. Um, in this culture, primarily with uh, how we spend our money, you know. So, because we will spend money on things that we hold in high value and that we, um, you know, really want or whatever. I mean, it shows the way we spend our money shows our priorities for sure. Oh, sure, the things that are important to you, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because some people really value, like, maybe clothes, and they'll have all these name brand clothes and some people are like I don't care about that I care about cars or I care about cell phones or I care about my TV or you know that's where they put their money right. right and so you know that's where I'm saying whatever your priority is um, that's where people will put their money and uh, so if something if there's a teacher you really want and they're oh my gosh you know they charge you know $500 or something well then that's what they charge yeah, and and uh, you know you should be like, okay, well it's totally worth it, oh, and it might not be worth it for somebody else. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. I don't know. You know, price doesn't have anything to do with it. Like, well, everybody says, well, she charged ten thousand dollars, and I, yeah, where did she get that from? What what made that the figure? Yeah, that's an interesting question because the only story we really have from her is um, about having to mortgage her house. And that's a high price. Um, now, some of the people that, um, you know, had done some research onto the first, I can't remember if it was the first or second degree or both or whatever, but they they did find out that Hashi charged quite a bit of money you know, for these entry, you know, the beginning uh, Shodan and the Okuden, you know, class. Yeah, I was going to say, did, he, was, did that come from Hayashi? He charged a lot. Did he charge a lot of money? Yeah, he, he charged a lot because we know what he charged, um, and I don't even want to say because I, I'm not looking at any sources, but, you know, so many yen and, and it was a lot of money, um, but we were never told um what he actually exactly charged for the third degree. But you can imagine if the first and second degree were, you know, high, then the third degree um, would be really high as well. It only makes sense. It's like someone came to me and told me that between their level one and level two, with their teacher, they had spent $1,000. And I shook my head and went, what? If you went the full Levels of courses with me, it wouldn't even cost you a thousand dollars. Yeah, like, what? <laughs> so yeah, so and that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, there's teachers now that charge, you know, all sorts of things, 
And, um, you know, it's most important to find the right teacher. That That's right. the important thing. You got you have to find that right teacher because that's going to make the difference um, for sure. And if and then you basically make it a priority. If that's the right teacher for you, then that's the right teacher for you, and you can put all your time and energy and resources in obtaining that, just like any other goal, if that's what your priority is. But see, now that we're on the surcharged watt discussion, has it ever been documented that, you know, Usui charged anyone to teach them? Well, no, I don't think it's ever been documented. You know, yeah. that's the thing. Like, we we only have the story about him from essentially Takata. Right. Where he where he wasn't charging um, and then basically got burned, you know, because he was helping all these people and right. they didn't show any gratitude. And, um, you know, so then he's like, okay, so basically if I give this away for free, people don't have gratitude, which is the same lesson that she tells that her teacher, Hayashi, passed down to her, you know, hey, you have to charge for this, otherwise people won't um, value it, they won't respect it, they won't, um, you know, have any gratitude about it. And, of course, her, like so many of us, me included, um, she said, yeah, but what about, you know, can't she's like, can't I hold up one class for these people that, you know, really help me out during my difficult times. And he's like, don't do it. And she did. And she tells the story where she she trained some of her neighbors. And, and what happened was, you know, she trained them, but then her neighbors, I think it was her son or something, like had an injury. And so the neighbor brought the son over to her house. Hey, will you treat him? And blah, blah, blah. And Takata's like, well, I taught you how to do it. You You treat him. And the lady's like, well, yeah, you know, I know, I want you to treat it. Why? I trained you. And she's like, well, you're the expert. And then Mrs. Takata's like, you didn't even try? You didn't? Like, she just had right. wasted her hours of her life training this person. And this person would not even try. Like, wouldn't even put her hands on. And so at that point, Mrs. Takata realized, wow, you know, what Hayashi told me was true. This is what Asui found out. And not to break tradition, I also <laughs> followed Mrs. Mrs. Dakota's mistake. And um, when I was in South Carolina, when I was living down there many years ago, um, I was treating this one woman for free because I was thinking, oh, you know, it's Reiki and, you know, I want people to be able to have what they want. And this woman, she had to be in her early 20s. And um, she looked... I mean, she looked like a zombie, you know. I mean, she was so haggard looking. <laughs> so, I mean, she was so, like, lack of energy. She was run down. She looked horrible. And so she was coming for Reiki treatments. And the more we did, you know, the more she seemed to, it seemed, the Reiki seemed to breathe life into her. I mean, like, her complexion changed. She got more energy. She started looking better, you know. her She just picked up, you know. And I was like, wow, this is truly amazing. I'm thinking, this is really interesting stuff, you know. And so she tells me one time, she's like, yeah, I know, the Reiki, it's really working. I'm able now to stay out later and party even harder. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Are you freaking kidding me? I've been spending these hours of my life with you so you can just go out 
and piss it away. That's crazy. Throw it away. I was really upset because I was thinking, okay, from now on, I'm charging you. I never yeah. saw her again. Never saw her again. And But I realized she did not value my time because, you know, as practitioners, we're not charging, right, for the, quote, energy, the Reiki. We're charging right. for our time. Time, I mean, right. we got stuff to do. We're charging for our time. What is your time oh. worth? And that's what you're charging right. for, right? So I realized this woman wasted my time. And, you know, Takata realized, those students wasted her time. She realized that, you know, the he, she called them beggars, but the, we would more use like the word homeless right. in today's world or or the destitute. Um, they wasted his time. They didn't show the gratitude. And so when I when that woman told me that, I I, I learned my lesson, and I was like, wow, that's really incredible. Yeah, it's like, um, you know, it's like kind of waste change. of time, waste of time, and abuse of time. I yeah. mean, people, like, sometimes people, they set an appointment with me, and I just, I just had this discussion with a friend today. I said, I don't understand people. They set an appointment with me, and then <laughs> this is your appointment, okay? I run my life around appointments, and, you know, I do mm-hmm. several things. I do the Reiki. I do readings. And so, and then I have my life that I have to schedule in there somewhere. And, you know, someone will call, they have an appointment, and then, like, this lady called yesterday, oh, you know what? I'm getting out of work early today. Can I come earlier? No. (laughs) (laughs) I can't keep shifting everything around to to make you happy. This is your appointment time, you know, and come at that appointed time. Um. It's because you got out earlier, you want to do something else, then let's reschedule you. But, you know, these, 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 what do you want to call it? These things that these monkey wrenches that come out of left field. Like, what? And then the people who don't show up, you know, they have an yeah. appointment, something else catches their attention or what have you, or something mm-hmm. sounds better than Reiki. It, they just, they don't tell you. It's like, that's fine. Call me, tell me. I can't make it today, but right. tell me. Right. Yeah, you know, and that's why, like, you know, as the more we are practicing and, and, you know, at a professional level where we're doing this, you know, for our, you know, a living, and and it's it's a way of making an honest living, but you also learn a lot about um, human psychology. And, And like I said, I learned a lot about what people value, and the commonality, of course, is money. And that's not bad. That's just what it is, and that's fine. Money is useful. Um, so when we do at the at the clinic, we have this public Reiki clinic once in a while at my office, and people, the general public, can sign up for it. But I I always have them pay ahead of time because they're they're ah, the clinic run by my students, wow. you see, and so. Yeah, so it's like the general public can come in and they have to get their appointments and stuff, but it's, it, my students are the practitioners and so they're doing the treatments and so we, it's to benefit the public but also to give my students more experience treating a variety of people and so we don't charge, you know, a lot, you know, compared to a professional treatment. We still go through, we, we still go through all the hand positions, um, but there's two practitioners per client. And so the treatments are only like thirty bucks, and 
but they always I always have them pay ahead of time, and that holds their appointment, and right. they will show up. They show right. up. Now, if they hadn't paid ahead of time, I can guarantee that some people. Well, I just know I I want I'm you know it's a nice day out. I'm going to go do this other thing. I'm not going to show up, you know. But because they value their money, which they right. paid for this, then they'll show up. Clearly shows the priority, right? So exactly. You kind, of, you kind of learn things like that. As long yeah. As long and, you know, if, if you're a giving person and you don't operate from a money standard, in other words, if, if your whole life isn't about making money and, and you mm-hmm. know, uh, making, yeah, just like making money, if you're not all about the money, because sometimes I sit here and go, I don't understand this. I'm seeing all these people who are all about the money. They're putting up phony stuff. They're 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 advertising like crazy, and it's all a bunch of BS. And they're making millions, and here I am. And what is wrong with this picture? I have a dear heart. I adore Reiki. I started teaching Reiki because to me it was the greatest thing since sliced bread, and the world had to know about this. I'm yeah. like. Wait, I should have just gone out and been a carnival salesman, you know, somebody's, you know, hey, Dr. Usui snake oil, <laughs> and made millions. <laughs> What's wrong? Yeah. But like you said, yeah, if they got to pay for it and whatever, um, they value it. Because I noticed a lot of places, um, like with Meetup, I had put up uh, something about a Reiki Circle or, you know, on Meetup. And when you put it up on Meetup, everybody's going, yeah, I'll be there. I want to come. I'll be there, you know. And then all of a sudden, the actual day of the meetup, half of the people who told you they were coming show up. And I advertised yep. it that it was a $10 donation, but no one mm-hmm. would be turned away for lack of funds. And four yep. out of the six people who showed up, they gave me the $10 donation. And then uh, one person said, all I have is two bucks. And the other person said, all I have is six. I'm like okay. Yeah. I'm like this is his yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, but if they had a prepay ahead of time, it's different. Well, prepay, prepay is the way to go. Because <laughs> pe- only the people who are serious, right up front, and aren't gonna, you know, yank your chain about showing up and stuff. And the only people who are serious are gonna actually, okay, I'll give you ten dollars, I'll mail it to you, or whatever. Um, yeah. They make a commitment. It's about commitment, you know. It's about commitment, yeah. 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 That's definitely it because, uh, you know, you sit there and go, huh, what happened? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And sure, I have people you know. telling me, you know, you got to charge more. You have to raise your prices. And I'm like, I cannot consciously do that. I'm conscious of the fact that right now in America, Okay, we have 4 million people or more who are out of work, who are out of unemployment. Uh, People are losing their jobs every day and all other, you know, minimum wages in the toilet. And people just don't have a lot of money nowadays. And I can't, you know, say, yeah, I'm hiking up my rates and prices. It just doesn't resonate with me. There's so many ways, though, that people can show their gratitude besides money. And, um, you know, plus, people don't want, I mean, in general, 
the majority of people do not want to be given something. They do not because they, I mean, they, a lot of people don't want to feel like they owe somebody something. That's a, see, that's a, that's a energetic, um, you're not, it's not energetically balanced. Then. You know, there should be give and take in all your relationships. So, like, in the, in the, the system of Reiki, yeah, we, we talk about balance, you know, and, you know, in terms of, like, you know, the precepts, keeping us in balance. But it's not just, like, on the table. I, I tell my students this repeatedly. Whole life, whole life needs to be in balance. And so right. the Reiki system teaches us how to be in balance with ourselves and with other people and in relationships because you cannot have relationships that are healthy and in balance if one person is always take, 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 and one person is give, give, give. Because the person is take, 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 you know, at some point it becomes too much. And I'm one of these people that I'm not going to take, you know, because I don't want to owe somebody because that doesn't feel right to me. It feels like, hey, you know, if you do this, um, you know, I'll do that. And that's that why that's like the water system. <laughs> yeah, we're in balance because nobody wants to feel like they owe somebody something, and the opposite is true. Nobody wants to feel that somebody owes them something because either right. one of those is out of balance. And so we have to have healthy relationships, and to have those, we have to have an energy exchange. So, as my students well know that if they want to, instead of paying all in, you know, uh, money, then they can, uh, I've had them come out to the farm, and they work, you know, and I give them a credit for every hour Uh they work on the farm. And it's hard, dirty work, but they do it because they can. And, you know, if they don't have the money, they want to earn it another way, but then they earned it. They earned it, and when... And they they feel different about something. They feel different, you know, because they had to sacrifice their time or their labor or whatever it was and earn something. Yeah. Right. And they appreciate it more then. They appreciate it more. It's like Lorinda said here in chat. She's like, "We're, we're not setting boundaries, and so we are not valued, which is very true. You know, people are afraid to set boundaries, but the only way that, you can actually get respect is to set a boundary. A lot of people have a problem saying no, you know, and you just have to say no sometimes, even though you don't want to, you have to. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, we set the value ourselves on things. So like I set a value on my classes and if I don't value them, I can guarantee the students aren't going to value them. You know, right. because they they don't know anything about the class. They've never taken the class. So I remember one of these stories. It's, uh, you know, my undergrad degrees in sociology, and there's this. They it's I love sociology because we would do experiments on people, and one of the experiments <laughs> I read about. One of the experiments I read about was this um, place that set up. Um, compost for sale, you know, for your garden. Uh-huh. And they they had three bins of compost. And one was like, you know, like $10 a truckload, and the middle one was $20 truckload, and the one on the other side was like $30 truckload. And so people would come up there 
and buy whatever it was they thought they wanted for their garden. And what the researchers found out was most people bought the compost that was in the middle, you know, not the $10 stuff and not the $30 stuff, the $20 stuff. And through watching this, they realized that, you know, what people were doing is what we always do. We go, whether it's buy compost or we want to go buy, I don't know, a computer or a TV, let's say, or some kind of, I was going to say a, a VCR, but that really dates me. Um, but some kind of something, right? We go to buy, like, let's say that TV. And we, we go into the store and we're like, well, I don't want that one because price is obviously cheap, you know. Uh, and I'm not like some TV kind of store, so I'm not going to spend, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars on that TV. You know, I don't need, like, the top of the line, you know. So I'll just get the one in the middle. And and the funny thing about this experiment with the compost, all the compost was the same. There was no <laughs> difference. Between, the research had put the same compost in all three bins. Right. It was the same compost. But the consumer going up to it, of course, didn't know that. And so they rationed that, you know, this is the cheaper stuff and this is the more expensive stuff and the middle stuff is what I'll take. You see, but it's all the same. Uh, so, yeah, so yeah. Yeah, we put value on things, and then people can we show that, and then they can say yes, okay, or they can say no, I don't value it like that, and then they go somewhere else and get what they need. It's so funny because yeah, I've learned, and I hate to say it, but like I've learned as I got older. When I was young, when I was in my twenties. I had to have the best of everything because I was making a really good salary. I was working in New York City. Uh, I was a block away from Fifth Avenue. And every payday, I would start at the high end of Fifth Avenue, work my way down, buying all this designer shit. <laughs> Pardon my French. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got older and older and older. And I, I learned that, you know, none of this matters. You need clothes. Just make sure it's a good material and it's sewn well. And whatever it costs, that's what you get. And mm-hmm. about two years ago, I had a fire in my house. No, actually, four years ago, it was in 2010, and lost everything. So mm. I ran to, I called, I never forget, I was staying at my cousin's house at the time. I had come to my house and went, oh, now i got to deal with this. Went back to her house and um, called Kmart early in the morning. What time are you open? They're like, 8 o'clock. And this is about <laughs> quarter of. I'm like, great. Hang up the phone. I hightail it to Kmart go in there and I pick out all the clothes I need because this was in October this happened so I'm like I need fall and winter clothing and what yeah. have you I bought everything cost me $300 okay? and I had a closet <laughs> load of fall and winter clothing shoes and what have you that I needed to replace and I came yeah. out and I called a friend of mine and said and this friend of mine is a designer freak I mean this man everything is designer and if he can't have designer duds and things he's He's miserable. Um, <laughs> life can't go on, you know. So I said, I, I just got my fall and winter wardrobe from Kmart and asked me if I give a flying fig. And he said, oh, I know you don't. <laughs> no. You know, this is a girl who like 40 years ago, 30, 40 years ago, had to have Saks and Gucci and Bonnet and the whole thing. And, you know, you know. And now I'll find something else. That, yeah, that shows so, you that our priorities change over time. Exactly. I mean, like, even now, I'll try stuff. I mean, 
you know, I'll try Trader Joe's toilet paper tissues or some discount yeah. places, you know. <laughs> and what I find is you actually can find cheap stuff that works as good as the expensive stuff, but mind you, it's pick and choose, it's experimentation, you know. Yeah. Right. And and sometimes it's, it's buy cheap, buy twice. And yeah. but you you learn, you know, and sometimes it's hit or miss. You don't know. And just because you buy the most expensive thing, it doesn't mean it's not gonna break either, you know. I just so, discovered tissues. I'm not gonna say any brand names or anything, but I kid you not, I swear. I just discovered tissues that are cheap. And they're twice as good as a name brand tissue that I've been buying for years. <laughs> <laughs> and that was because of a friend of mine. She kept telling me, I have to buy these tissues for my mother. They're the only ones she likes. So one day I was in the store and I said, let me find out what, why her mom is all like crazy, you know, in love with these tissues. Well, now I know why. <laughs> they're <Right>. better. <laughs> right. Yeah, so sometimes mm. cheaper is better, you know. I, I don't know. Yeah. But I know, you know, you talked about this book, and I thought you had published it, but it's it's on its way, huh? Oh, my gosh, yeah. That <laughs> thing, I tell you, I swear. Like, it's, it's been a whirlwind. I mean, we talked earlier about, like, how research is done in pieces and, and – and things you get an answer to one question, and that that leads to another question, or relate, or it ties back into a pre. I mean, you might get one piece of information that now just connected three dots, but it leads, it totally changes your perspective on another piece of history, and you're like, whoa, I never saw it that way before. It was staring me in the face. How could I not have seen this perspective? And so that happens, you know, during research. And when that happens, then you have to go back and write, rewrite, you know, mm-hmm. your your book because I can see things. I see, I do see things quite differently than I did five years ago, for sure, when I started this book. And as time goes on, um, you know, that happens so many times. I must have rewritten this book a dozen times. But right now it is at one of the editor's. <laughs> which is good, and um, I have two editors, and, and one's a non-Reiki person, which I send it to first, usually, um, just to kind of get a perspective of somebody who knows nothing. If they're confused about something, I obviously didn't write it correctly, whereas a person who's familiar with Reiki might have glossed over it because it was just kind of, you know, they weren't really thinking, had to think about it, but somebody who knows nothing you know, you need that perspective. And right now it's at the editor who knows quite a bit um, about history. So, you know, he's looking it over right now. And uh, so I'm pretty pretty confident it will go to the publisher um, in late December. And then they need like a three- or four-month turnaround to actually get it all up and running and printed. So, yeah, that's kind of where it's at right now. I mean, it's written, so that's good. And it's just being in the final editing stages. So now we're just, you know, final editing and tweaking, and it should be up. Yes. Yes. What yeah, was your target date, like wait. April, April-ish of 2015? Um, yeah, that's what I'm thinking it's going to be actually out. 
Um, now, of course, two years ago when I was in New York, I'm like, oh, it'll be out later this year. You know? Yeah, because I remember like, where the fuck, where's the fuck? I know. I mean, it's been like, but, it, you know, things pop up. And, you know, I'll get a lead on something. And then I'll right. go traveling. And then I'll go traveling and I'll go out to do all this research there on site. And I'll be like, oh, my gosh. Like, I can't believe what I just found. This has got to go in the book, but now I've got to rewrite these other sections. Well, it's kind of like, did you ever go to fix one thing in a room in your house, and you fix the one thing, and before you know it, you're remodeling the whole room because (laughs) you got another idea or something else came to mind? So this little thing that you were going to fix that would take about 20 minutes or a half hour, now you're working on this room, it's a month? (laughs) Yeah, it's domino effect. It's the domino effect. So, you know, at some point, people are like, well, you just have to stop. I'm like, I can't stop. In fact, (laughs) the book I've decided is never really going to be done, Uh, but it will be stuff in there I think people will really enjoy reading about. And then, um, you know, if I'm really crazy, I'll keep writing with all these other ideas that I have for future books. I'm telling you. Just have as many people as you can look it over and go over the editing because yesterday a student of mine, she um, had made a comment on a poem of mine. I wrote a book uh, about four years ago called Musings of Love and Life. And, yeah, I, I had it edited and had people look at it. I was, I was sure it was perfect and sent it off to publish. And here she is. The book has been published now. It's, what, three years? She says there's a typo. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. what? <laughs> she says there's yeah. a typo. So I'm like, well, maybe there's a typo because I had put it up on Facebook, you know, on my author page, and I grabbed the book and like, oh God, please don't. And I open the book and I go to the the page where this poem is. And I'm like, oh my God, there's a typo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it hard to find them. Yeah. I know. Well, see, every book I read, I always seem to find typos in it. And so I've made one of my, the last pages in the book, it says, for a rata found in this book, go to such and such website. Because I can then, at that website, go like page such and such, you know, this word should be spelled, you know. Uh, Because I know that, you know, we can't be 100%. Right. No matter how many times we. Go through, especially a book of this size. Um, yeah. You know, Lorenza poses just, a very good question here in the chat room. She says, "Will the book be available as an ebook? So as more research appears, the changes will be up to date." Right, and so the ebook will be available at the same time that the print book okay. is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All the right. publisher has plans to make it an ebook. So. Yeah. And that's like going to help with distribution. Yeah, that's yeah. going to help with distribution. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I have yeah. a call with her. Let's see. I know who this is. This is Joseph, my best friend and student. He has a question. Sure. Let's see. Hi, Joseph. Welcome Good to Good evening, Wells. More like a comment and a question. As always, I love your oh, show. Okay. You have the most interesting and, and 
illuminating people on your show. I mean, really, this gentleman, Robert, I, I salute your divinity. You're a great guy. I can tell just by your voice and seeing your picture, you got a great spirit. And I love his advice about prepaying. We got to do that, Rose. You and I have been, you know, I've been a teacher, so I can teach you for over 40 years and, and all that. And, you know, I've done a lot of charity work like yourself, and yeah, I, we help and people. We give of our time and energy. <laughs> but Robin made a great point about it's the time. It's not the gift of God and spirit and Reiki healing. It's from spirit. It's a gift. We utilize it. We share it with our fellow brothers and sisters of the human species and even animals, the animal kingdom. But we do have to charge for our time. And he made a really great point. I hope to learn it at 65 that I learned something new today. You learn something new every day that we have to <laughs> Why we do the prepay, and they say they will keep their appointment, and they will come, and they won't stiff us. Yeah. <laughs> As you well know that feeling, Rosie. And I just I want know. to say I love your show. It gets better and better every week, and I love you. Robert, again, I salute your divinity. I can't wait till your book comes out because I am very interested in advancing in Reiki and going on to the second degree with Rose, and therefore maybe on and on, whatever. And uh, it's just been a great experience, and I'm so grateful to Rose to convince me to take Reiki with her after all these years as a practicing psychic medium healer and doing my own thing. But uh, Reiki has opened up a whole new vista in my life and actually has helped my health tremendously. Rose can tell you I suffered many years with many conditions, and I have been feeling the best I've been in years since I've been doing self-Reiki every day, sometimes two, three times a day. So I'll leave you That's on that great. thought, Rosie. Love you, and I'll talk to you after the show. Robert, okay, it was a pleasure great. speaking with you. Thank you. Thank you for the kind words. You're welcome, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Take care, great. Joseph. That's great. Okay, Rose. Well, talk to you later. Bye-bye. Ciao, ciao. Yeah, he's, um, that's great. Uh, he's, that, you know that, that he practices. You see, and that's, that's the key. That's the key. I mean, he's like, yeah, I practice every day. Sometimes two times a day. Sometimes three times. See, that's the key. You know, yeah, that's he the started, key to almost he started doing the the two times a day because I ask all my students. You know, when they I tell them at level one, this is what you do daily, and uh, some of them do it, some of them don't. And when they come to level two, I'm like, are you practicing daily Reiki now? Daily practice, self-treatment. Well, no, not really. Well, then why? You know what I mean? This is really... <laughs> well, no, because exactly. people say, exactly. oh, yeah, Reiki, it's hands-on healing. And I'm like, okay, yes. However, it's much more than that. You can heal by beaming Reiki from your eyes. You can heal by, by sending Reiki on the breast. In addition to, it's just not all about healing. It's a personal and spiritual development process. I mean, that's why right. Sui really founded it, because, you know, it makes things better. His whole thing was, you know, how to invite blessings and, and to have a better life. This is what you do. Right. And And so many people put the focus, I don't know whether it's, you know, where they feel they want to put the focus or, or or what, but there's so much more to it and I think people just kind of get the tip of the iceberg and don't really see the entire iceberg. Yeah, because you can only see the whole thing through practice. And mm-hmm. and that's the that's the thing. And it's like, it's so easy to do and yet so I, it seems like so few people do it. You know? Right. Um, that's so important, especially when you're asking uh, around, you know, for a teacher, you ask that teacher, do you 
do, you know, do you practice every day? Do you do your self-treatment every day? Or better yet, just ask them, how often do you practice self-treatment? And they should say every day because, you know, that way you're not leading them. That way you're not leading them into like, oh, I practice it. Of course I have, you know. But they should be (laughs) practicing every day. It's a practice. It's like I tell my students, like, you have to practice to see the results. It's like buying exercise equipment. And if you don't use it, it doesn't do anything for you. Oh, like you using your use uh, treadmill as a clothing yeah. hanger like I do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And people are like, well, it's just a class, and so, like, I'm supposed to, like, be better. I'm like, no, you have to practice. You have to practice. Oh, well, it, it's funny because, yeah, I had – this is the one and only time that I had a complaint about my classes, and I was destroyed. But then I thought about it and said, wait a minute, get a hold of yourself here. Two ladies came, they took the class, and then the following, and, and when they left the class, they were all happy. We took pictures, with just certificates and everything. And then the following day, I get an email from one of them that says, you know, we want a refund. Uh, <laughs> your Reiki class was supposed to be a life-transforming experience. And no, no, she didn't say my class. She said, Reiki is supposed to be a life-transforming experience, and we didn't feel our lives transformed. And I said, "Mm, okay, here, let me explain it to you, okay? I told you what my Reiki classes involved and what you would be taught in those classes. I taught you and gave you everything I said I was going to give you in that class. Now, this you can liken this to you wanting to build a home, and you go to Home Depot, and you buy all the supplies you need, the wood, the aluminum, the windows, the nails, the hammers, what have you. You take all of this home to your house, and you throw it on the front lawn. And you do nothing. And then you come back to Home Depot and say, hey, I don't have a house. <laughs> That's right. That's right. What do you want that, me that to right. do? <laughs> that is right. That is exactly right. Because, you know, it has to be about the practice. And people have to, to show that they're committed to the practice. Otherwise, they won't see the results. And the the practice the hands-on practice is so important, not just for our physical well-being, but it also is so important because it helps us um, obtain and maintain the precepts. And because when we have that Reiki treatment, you know, during the Reiki treatment experience, after having a Reiki treatment, it is so much easier to maintain the precepts. It's so much easier to, you know, not worry and not be angry because we feel so good, you know. And so we have to have that hands-on treatment, right, to help us obtain the precepts. And when we realize that we're out of, you know, alignment with the precepts and we start becoming where we start becoming angry, this should just be the little, you know, a bell should go off in our minds, ding, a little reminder bell, oh, it's time to start, my practice, my hands-on practice, which will bring us back into alignment with the precepts because the hands-on treatment and the precepts, they are two sides of the same coin. You need them. They both feed into each other, and they support each other. Right. You know, Asui didn't didn't say, oh, you know, like, don't worry and don't become angry. You know, telling people that is not going to help them. He didn't just say that. He's like, Okay, let go of this, let go of that. And here's the way. 
are how you can obtain that here. This is what you do. Put your hands on yourself, right? And that, he, he enabled them then to obtain the precepts. He just didn't give them the precepts and say, good luck. He gave them a way. He gave them a See, way. Yeah. And the way <laughs> is the practice. The way is the practice. Right. It's like in the beginning when I started, I would, I would, you know, I would do my self-treatment. I would say my precepts and I would leave for work and I would get my car and pull out the driveway. And the very first stoplight I came to, somebody would like go to cut me off. And now yeah. 10 minutes ago, I just said, I will not anger. Sure. And I right. cursed this guy out and there I am in the right. car. So what I would do is at the red light, I would just take a deep breath put my hands in Gasha and say, okay, I will not anger. I recented myself and I reaffirmed I will not anger. So that would get rid of the anger I just experienced in that moment. Right. And that affirmed my wish to go on, move forward, and not anger. <laughs> right. And, yeah. and you're bringing it into your regular everyday life. And that is so essential. You know, Reiki is not just, like I said, on the table. Reiki is not just in the classroom. It's not just something you do, you know, at this time of the day. It's something that is with you. It stays with you 24-7 if you allow it. Right. Like Franz Stina says, be Reiki. I mean, that's what we all have to do. We have to be Reiki. And if you are Reiki, it's constantly flowing. You're constantly in that flow of Reiki, and and then it becomes you and becomes your life. Right, and so when, you, when, so when you notice that person that cuts you off, when you notice that, that, okay, I'm becoming upset, then that bell went off in your mind. Yeah, okay, you, okay, I'm going to do the practice now, you know, to bring myself back into peace and harmony. That's perfect. I mean, see, that's the classic example of how we can, how we bring Reiki you know, into our day-to-day, quote, ordinary life. Right. And And when you think about it, what is the practice? Doctors, they have a medical practice. Lawyers have a law practice. You say, but they're always practicing. But that's just it. Always practicing helps you to be what you're practicing at, and it helps you then to be the best at what you do. So, yeah. Right. Well, Robert, this has been a great – interview and wonderful amount of uh, fun. I'm looking forward to your book. I told everybody that they can find you um, at, well, I know where it is, but I just lost it now on the whatever. Uh, Tell me the name of your website, the Reiki Preservation Society dot org, people. Yeah, that's right. I look forward to having you back once the book is out. Well, thank you very much. I certainly appreciate uh, being on the show, and it's been a great pleasure. Thanks, Robert. Uh, Thank you so much for honoring me. Have a great weekend, and I will talk to you soon. All right. Sounds great. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Everybody, have a good weekend. Thank you all so much for listening. I wish you a lovely, peaceful, breaky evening tonight. And we'll see you all next week. Bye.